So for this podcast, I had Daniel on. Uh, he is a writer, real estate broker, investor, and traveler. Um, he has studied at Cardozo Law, and he is also a disciple of Larry David. Uh, and he's also been published in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, the New York Daily News, as well as the New York Post. Um, as far as this podcast goes, uh, we talked a lot about the history of Russia and pretty much leading up to the events that's going on right now. Um, it's very well well versed, and he's a lot more uh, he's a lot more sharp than me. So I had to go to the professional for this one. Um, but I hope you guys learn and enjoy this podcast as much as I did. I hope World War Three doesn't happen. Bye. is Russia invading Ukraine? Stated reasons, as far as I understand, I think a lot of people um, cannot understand the justification because there doesn't seem to be a clear justification. Uh -huh. There really isn't. The stated justification, based on what I've heard, is A, there's been a low-level conflict in eastern Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, that was started by Putin. Putin first made an, an, an incursion into Ukraine in 2014, and he annexed Crimea, which is like this kind of peninsula in southern Ukraine. Um, he, uh, he, and I, the, the details are a little bit complicated, but that incursion and uh, kind of the Russian activity in Ukraine in 2014. Um, cultivated a, a separate, separatist movement in eastern Ukraine in the Donbass region of Ukraine. And there's been a low-level conflict between Ukraine and Russian-backed separatists mm -hmm. in eastern Ukraine. Now, Putin recently has accused Ukraine of um, you know, conducting or executing a genocide against Russian speakers ethnic Russians in Eastern Ukraine. That's his stated reason. Now, that is demonstrably false. Yeah. There's no evidence of that. Um, you know, he, he bandies about the word genocide as though it's kind of just an everyday thing. Over the course of eight years of conflict, I'm sure there's been many deaths. As a matter of fact, I think there's been 14,000 people who've died. It's been like a low-level trench warfare almost. Um, between these these separatists as well as uh, and, and and Ukrainians, um, so this purported uh, genocide uh, that Putin is accusing uh, Ukraine—that's reason number one. Reason number two is um, he wants a guarantee, what he refers to as a security guarantee, uh, that Ukraine will not join NATO, and. Um, he, he states that NATO on the Russian border is a security threat to Russia, particularly in Ukraine, because historically Ukraine has had just very, it's been very intertwined with Russia. Um, so much so that Putin has, has said Ukraine should not be a country, it should just be part of Russia, which yeah. of course Ukrainians would beg to differ. Now, those are his stated reasons. Mm -hmm. From, you know, just my feeling based on what I've read and seen and heard, real reasons, some other, some other justifications in Putin's mind or some other motivations, let's say. Um, now, recall, Russia used to be a much larger country, the Soviet Union. 
Mm -hmm. Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. Russia was the largest state within the Soviet Union. Um, in 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. Ukraine voted to separate from the Soviet Union in a landslide. I think 90% of people in Ukraine voted to be an independent country and to leave the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Putin is a very, Putin's a former KGB agent. This is a guy who volunteered to join the KGB. He is a very Soviet guy. He has stated that the collapse of the Soviet Union is um, the most tragic event, uh, geopolitical event of the 20th century. He wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union in some form. Um, probably not literally to reconstitute the Soviet Union as one country, but to um, reinstate or you know, regroup what he would refer to as the Soviet sphere of influence. Hmm. Um, to give you an example, Belarus is the last dictatorship in Europe other than Russia. Belarus is basically a vassal state of Russia. Um, you know, the, the dictator in Belarus is almost like a cabinet member um, to Putin. Uh, Belarus is almost like a region of Russia. Mm -hmm. Whatever Russia does, Belarus will follow. He probably wants Ukraine to be in the same model. He wants to install a Russian-friendly Russian -friendly Soviet-style regime in Ukraine. What's the problem? Ukrainians obviously do not want that. That's been demonstrated more than once. As I mentioned, Ukraine voted to leave the Soviet Union by a wide margin. Mm -hmm. And in 2014, there was what's called like a color revolution there was a revolution in Ukraine that toppled the Soviet-style pro-Russian dictatorship in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Putin, as I mentioned, Putin is a guy who is a KGB agent, um, fosters very serious Soviet nostalgia. He thinks that power and legitimacy comes from the top down, not from the bottom up. So he does not believe in popular will, popular movements, um, protesting it goes without saying he doesn't believe in democracy um putin um thinks for that reason that every single protest in ukraine or in russia is like a cia plot to overthrow him so he's a he's just not so he, he believes in um strongman Soviet style dictatorships mm -hmm. ukraine is culturally historically close to Russia. And you know, on some level, Russians probably think of it as the same country. Putin wrote a very, very long essay kind of rewriting history or putting forth his interpretation of history that Ukraine was created by Vladimir Lenin, who was kind of the founding father of the Soviet Union, and that Ukraine was never an independent country and Ukraine should not be a country and it should be part of Russia and Russia birthed Ukraine and it's Russia's right. Uh, it's Russia's birthright to, um, you know, rein Ukraine back into the Russian fold. He wrote like a 5,000 word op-ed about this. Putin did, uh, again, Ukrainians would beg to differ. I would um, even, I would even beg I, to say most Russians beg to differ. I mean, from what I've seen. I'll tell you something. I don't know. It's very difficult to know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Um, 
like I find as as somebody who is like a, a Western guy, an American guy, right? I find it a little bit shocking when I speak to Russians and they support Putin, they trust Putin, they support his war in Ukraine. I've met such people. They do exist. Um, hard to know. Fair to say Putin is relatively popular in Russia. Hmm. He used to be very popular. You know, he's running a repressive, a repressive police state, so he's probably less popular. But it's fair to say, I think based on polling, based on what I've read and researched, half of the Russian population supports Putin. Um, you know, again, you go to Moscow, you go to St. Petersburg, that's where you're going to find liberal, well-to-do people. They're going to be not fans of Putin, but if you go to the, you know, Russia's an enormous country, much bigger than the United States geographically. If you go to other regions of Russia, I think he may be very popular. It's hard to know. Um, Russians feel a cultural affinity with Ukraine. Mm. Ukrainians may feel a cultural affinity with Russians. I mean, many people in Ukraine, most people speak Russian. Uh, but they want to be, by and large, uh, an independent state. Um, Putin thinks that it's his right and Russia's right to determine Ukraine's destiny. And of course, again, Ukrainians beg to differ. But there's another factor here, I think, in his mind. He does not want Ukraine to be a prosperous Western democratic country. Why? Because that might inspire Russians to want the same. Mm-hmm. Ukraine, there's a lot of pollination between Ukraine and Russia. Many Russians have relatives in Ukraine. Many Ukrainians travel to Russia and vice versa. Um, If Ukraine is a prosperous European country, Russians will see that. They might want the same. And what Putin wants to convey is that his system, his iron-fisted, kleptocratic uh, police state, is no worse and maybe even better than Western democracy. And I think that he sees Ukraine's westernization as a threat to uh, his uh, his regime, to his ability to stay in power. Now, going back to your previous point, whether most Russians support Putin uh, and or support the war in Ukraine, let's go back to 1991. Soviet Union collapsed. Russia was... Uh, humiliated. Russia, you know, had been kind of a proud country uh, with, uh, you know, a military that defeated Nazi Germany. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is giving me uh, Germany prior to World War II vibes right now. (laughs) A little bit. There's something to that. There's something to that. But Russians, I think, felt, and Putin felt personally, humiliated as it relates to how the Cold War ended. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the Cold War, you know, remember, Russia or the Soviet Union and the United States were, were competing for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, it was a bipolar world, and there were two superpowers, and, and the United States um, came out of the Cold War victorious and was clearly the more powerful, na- powerful nation. And Russia lost all of its vassal states, and it lost um, its sphere of influence in Eastern Europe. And Russia was a very, very poor country. 
uh, in the 1990s. Now, Boris Yeltsin was the president of Russia in the 1990s. Under Boris Yeltsin, Russia was very poor, uh, riddled with crime. Um, you know, most Russians would tell you that life in Russia in the 1990s was hellish. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I speak some Russian. I've known many people who live in who lived lived or live in Russia in my life, and 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 they'll tell you in the 1990s life in Russia was bad. Um, Putin comes along in. Um, he takes power the last day of 1999 or the first day of 2000. Uh, Boris Yeltsin resigns. Boris Yeltsin was sick. He was weak. He gave this speech on, on, on Russian TV. He could hardly prop himself up. He was, he was done physically. Putin takes power. And, uh, you know, he's a young guy. He speaks in Russian in a sort of very assertive way. Um, and Russians at this point are looking for order and they're looking for somebody to rein in all the chaos and the crime and the poverty in Russia. Um, you know, remember also Putin is a guy in Russia who, uh, Russia has a huge problem with alcoholism. Many Russian men, you know, the life expectancy of Russian men is quite low. Mm -hmm. Many, many, many Russian men drink themselves to death. You know, Putin is a guy who doesn't drink. Putin oh. is a guy who is uh, quite athletic, and many Russians admire him for that, you know, and he appeals to Russians because he's somebody that they feel could bring order after a decade of chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Yeltsin's credit, Putin's predecessor, Yeltsin, never shut down a newspaper. He never killed journalists. He wasn't, he was, he was, he was actually a small d Democrat. He believed in democracy. Um, shortly after Putin took power, uh, he, you know, his repressive um, ways or his repressive his repressive methodologies, his repressive system of government started to uh, come to fruition. But Putin's uh, reign. Putin's time in power coincided with an economic boom in Russia. Uh, hard to say the degree to which that can be attributed to Putin, because when Putin came to power, he got very lucky. It coincided with, um, in you know, enormous increase in the price of oil, right? And this helped the economy in Russia, and many Russians started to make a living. Many Russians started to have expendable income. Many Russians started to travel abroad in the first decade of the 2000s. Whereas, um, again, in the 1990s, that was a decade associated with poverty and crime in Russia. So many Russians um, associated Putin with, you know, um, wealth, with an increase in the quality of life, mm-hmm. and with just a general, um, generally bringing Russia out of post-Soviet chaos, mm-hmm. right? And that's why Putin became quite popular. Um, you know, over the course of time, Putin became more and more uh, repressive. And uh, in 2011, um, around then there was an election in Russia. People in Russia had smartphones, and people started recording on their smartphones evidence in front of their eyes of electoral fraud. 
ballot stuffing and all sorts of election fraud in plain sight. The authorities in Russia didn't even try to hide. It caused a lot of anger in Russia. And there was protests in Russia that really caught Putin by surprise mm -hmm. in 2011. Um, I think this is, this is the root of Putin's anger at Hillary Clinton, because Hillary Clinton supported those protests. Again, Putin is a guy who doesn't believe that people can rise up and try to make change from the bottom up. He thought that these protests in 2011 were organized by the CIA. He's a, he's a paranoid guy, I think, like many KGB people. Mm -hmm. So over time, he became more and more repressive. He was minister technically for four years, and then he... I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to get president again. I wanted to get to that. How did this is something I didn't understand? He went from president and then back to prime minister and then went back to president. I, explain that because I know he couldn't serve more than two terms. But how did he get right. back into that position of power? Because, so he spent two terms. Uh, they have term limits in Russia where you can't technically. I think they, at least at the time, you could not. Um, serve more than two consecutive terms as president. Mm -hmm. um, in 2008, he made an arrangement where somebody else, his protege, let's say, um, president and Putin would be prime minister. This was, there's a debate as far as how much power uh, the other guy, the, technically ah, right. the president, had yeah. at the time. His name is Dmitry Medvedev. He was pre he was president for four years and Putin was prime minister. Most people will say that still calling the shots. Yeah. Um, but not completely. Because this was a four year period in Russia where Medvedev was perceived to be more liberal. Mm -hmm. Medvedev was younger. Medvedev he went to Silicon Valley. He ate a hamburger with Obama uh, <laughs> on the trip to the U.S. Yeah. And this was a period of a bit of relaxation of repression in Russia. Um, you know, people started speaking a little bit more openly about problems in Russia, about corruption in Russia during these four years where Putin was the prime minister. Mm-hmm. After four years, uh, Putin announced that he would be running again for president. I'm not sure if Medvedev liked this or not, because Medvedev announced it. He said, like, oh, uh, there was this event, there was this event for Putin's political party, United Russia, where they announced that Putin would be coming back to the presidency. And Medvedev at that meeting looked unhappy and tired. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure he wanted to uh, give up the presidency, but Putin had his way. So Putin then uh, became president for another eight years. And, uh, remember, if Putin wants to be president, there's no free and fair elections in Russia, right? Mm -hmm. The elections are rigged. For sure. If they were fair... Putin might win in any event, but they're not. For one thing, there's there's electoral fraud, and for another thing, Putin has jailed or killed 
his political opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, after eight years, uh, which is now totaling 16 years in power, uh, the Duma, which is Putin, which is uh, Russia's parliament, um, passed some legislation where they could reset the clock and Putin could 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 run again for president. So he's just not somebody who's going to give up power. Now, I'm explaining to you why Putin um, was very, very, very popular, mm-hmm. particularly in the early 2000s. I think over time, Putin has become less popular. Again, there were protests against Putin in 2011, and Putin's regime has become more and more repressive. They've tightened the screws on freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Um, you know, there's really no real opposition, political opposition in Russia. Um, the most uh, prominent opponent um, Navalny to Putin is now in jail. He's in some remote Soviet prison. Um, so, 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 you know, Putin is not running a democracy. He's running a kleptocratic police state, uh, where there's no freedom of speech. Um, he's running the country. He's making the decisions. His, um, constituency is mostly elites, who are oligarchs, who make a lot of money, who run business in Russia. Um, he, you know, he, he expects his population to stay out of politics. Now, I think, or let's just say one could argue, that most of the Russian population was okay with this while the economy in Russia was very good. Mm-hmm. There were some years of very robust economic growth in Russia in the early 2000s. And there was a tacit agreement between Putin and his population, like an unwritten agreement. Putin is going to um, run politics. Mm-hmm. People should not get involved in politics. And in exchange, they can enjoy their life. They can make money. The economy is good. Uh, but over time, the economy became worse, particularly after 2014 when Putin invaded Crimea uh, which is a region in Ukraine. Countries put, you know, like the United States, put sanctions on Russia, and the economy started to turn south. The quality of life in Russia started to decrease. Inflation in Russia started to rise, right? Um, so it's fair to say that his popularity has dissipated over time. The degree to which he's still popular, I, I, I don't know. I think he is still quite popular. I get the impression that over half the population supports him, but there's definitely, definitely a large contingent, um, maybe a plurality, maybe a very large minority who oppose him, particularly in the big cities where people maybe will tend to be more international, um, you know, kind of liberal intelligentsia, more educated type of people. Um, That's kind of the, the context. Now, Here's here's the long-winded uh, point. I'm going to bring it back to. He doesn't want to see uh, Ukraine be democratic and prosperous because that threatens his 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 regime. And he he has to keep a tight lid on the government, on his people. Um, you know, he he. Um, He, 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 he's, um, 
running a regime that has to keep a tight control, has to keep tight control over people to, you know, maintain their power. Um, he was very popular. Hard to say right now. If you go on social media in Russia, a lot of an anti-war sentiment on social media. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe the people posting on social media are those who are computer savvy in big cities with an internet connection. There's obviously uh, probably regions of Russia that are more conservative. If you think about the United States, you go to New York, where I am at the moment, people are going to be quite liberal generally. If you go to small town Texas, people will be much more conservative mm-hmm. as a general proposition. So you, you might find the same in Russia. I think Russia in general is a conservative society. Mm-hmm. And Russians don't have much experience with democracy, right? Um, most Russians were not brought up with democracy, whether it be if they had been raised in Putin's time, because many Russians were born during Putin. They don't know anyone other than Putin or whether they were born and raised in the Soviet Union, which is, which was, of course, not a democracy. So democracy does not run deep in Russian history like it does in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's a core value or a common value um, in Russia. And as a matter of fact, I've met Russians who are younger people, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, who don't have an interest in democracy. They think that a dictatorship is a better form of government which is just not something you're going to hear at least overtly in the United States. Huge cultural differences between Russia and, and, and uh, the U.S. So I think that there's a set of stated reasons or, or let's say ruses or uh, veals that Putin uses to explain why he's invading Ukraine. And then there's some other reasons uh, as to why he may actually have that motivation, uh, and 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 for one thing, he may want he, he he has he's a nationalist, you know, he is a nationalist, and he has kind of one could argue infused Russia with a sort of jingoism, if you know that word, or or, or nationalism, and perhaps many Russians may feel a sort of pride in this expansionism and in, in, a, in a great victory. You know, if Putin is promising a great victory and Russians may feel pride as a result, they may feel proud to be Russian as a result. Uh, when he took Crimea in 2014, that was actually a very popular move amongst most Russians. Uh, perhaps he needs to invade Ukraine and engage in all sorts of military conflicts to distract his population from a sinking economy and from his increasing repression. Maybe he needs it as a distraction. You know, he, if you watch Russian TV, of course, there's no independent media in Russia. If you listen to his speeches, he kind of has this rhetoric that Russia is surrounded by enemies and Russians need to fight and Russians are engaged in this historic struggle with the West or with the U.S. or with the CIA, right? He needs to sort of rhetoric or, or put forward that sort of rhetoric as a distraction um, 
from his own failures to make Russia prosperous over the course of his 22 years in power. I think um, four or five hours ago, they uh, you've heard of Anonymous, right? Yes. They, I don't know if you had heard about it, but four or five hours ago, roughly, give or take, um, they had actually hacked um, most mainstream uh, channels that they have over there in Russia, uh, and they started showcasing um, a lot of what's been going on in Ukraine. It would have been legit if they had shown um, the president of Ukraine um, speech, how he had not wanted the yeah, he did not want it to because that was an amazing speech. I I have right. nothing but major respect for him. Uh, I, so much I, respect, dude. I do. You know what? Like makes like creeps me out. Like I feel like kind of weird saying it, but like I thought like yesterday by then he'd be dead or like latest like tonight. Yeah. Like I think it's like they're it's, closing it's in. Like very pretty, upsetting. Yeah. Look, it's very upsetting. I'll say this: he's uh. I find him to be very relatable. Clearly, Ukraine is the underdog. Clearly, Ukrainians want to be independent. Mm -hmm. Russia is encroaching on their independence. Um, Zelensky, Jewish guy, younger guy, just very relatable. And excuse my politically incorrect language. I mean, this guy has balls that I cannot even begin to imagine. This guy has balls. Um, that's not, you know, there's no words to really describe. I mean, uh, respect is not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, what American president would, you know, take off a suit and put on military fatigues and fight alongside his people and his army? Uh, it's, it's of course a different context, but this guy is really, he commands a lot of respect. Um, Russians probably do not, uh, see um, what's actually happening in Ukraine, the degree of violence perpetrated onto Ukraine, uh, because the media is controlled in Russia. And to an increasing extent, the, the, the internet is uh, regulated in Russia. Oh, wow. Um, you know, right? Like Russia announced that they were partially censoring Facebook. Now, I don't know what that means to partially censor something. But Russia has taken steps towards censoring the internet in cases where they want some information to be uh, not available to the Russian public. So kind of like China, right? I don't think that it's at the level of China. Uh, But they've taken steps in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And most Russians probably are not privy to the facts. Now, I've watched Russian news, and it just makes you want to pull your hair out. You know, it's so frustrating and angering. You almost want to take the TV and throw it out the window. I mean, Russian news is its just, you know, it's Kremlin propaganda. It's Kremlin talking points. By the way, you know, there is a channel, RT. Have you heard of RT? I think um, I might have stumbled across it maybe this morning because I've been right. doing a lot of research on that recently. It's Russia, Russia Today. Okay. Um it's a, it's a news channel that broadcasts around the world, um, you know, and it's a major propaganda outlet for the Russian government. Mm-hmm. It's, a dis, it's, it's a big purveyor of disinformation and conspiracy theories, and it's broadcasting in the U.S. and all over the world. Now, what I don't understand 
is why the United States does not invest in a similar medium. You know, the U.S. used to have uh, a pretty big radio presence in, presence in Eastern Europe. I think it was called Radio Liberty or Radio Free Europe, maybe both of those. People in the Soviet Union would try to, it was, it was blocked, but they would try to listen to it to get the American point of view. Why doesn't the U.S. invest in a TV channel, for instance, to, uh, you know, put forward and share the American point of view on things? Because Russia has a very well-oiled propaganda machine, both domestically for their own people and internationally. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure why the U.S. doesn't do the same. Maybe they have some infrastructure, um, you know, around kind of sharing information. Uh, but I don't think it's on the same level of what Russia has. Um, uh, Russia is quite effective when it comes to, you know, information, misinformation, disinformation. Uh, Russia's economy is quite small, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's the 11th or 12th biggest economy in the world. It's heavily dependent on oil and natural gas. No one really buys anything from Russia other than fossil fuels and military equipment. You know, Russia is not um, the U.S. in terms of cultural power and soft power, and it's not China either. You know, I might not be a big fan of the Chinese government, but China is a very powerful country. Mm -hmm. They sell many things. They build many things. Many people around the world use Chinese phone. Who uses a Russian? You know, no one uses a Russian phone. They don't really make anything. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to military and um, propaganda and this type of kind of government political apparatus, um, you know, they're quite effective. Mm -hmm. And Putin probably plays a weak card uh, quite well in that regard uh, because, you know, Russia has a lot of problems. Uh, but he kind of, he invested over time in his military and he kind of has been able to wield Russian power somewhat effectively, somewhat devastatingly, as we see in Ukraine. Do you think that the reason... Because uh, everyone was saying that he's... Putin has basically pulled all this, like, this this BS of um, pulling all his troops to the border many times over and over. Um, and a lot of people said that he's bluffing and, like, they're not sure, like, if it's going to happen or not, if he's going to invade. But, like, they're like, let's hope not, but we're kind of used to it. Do you think... Do you think people thought he was potentially weak, that he didn't have the power to do it, and he got greedy? Because at some point after the invasion, he seemed quite flustered and not collected as he was normally. Well, you know, um, I did not think he was going to actually invade Ukraine. Yeah, a lot of people did. Because it's, 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 it's such an unbelievable step, and also because Russians and Ukrainians are kind of cousins and they're related in, in, in some way, um, and they're, they're quite intertwined. Mm -hmm. um, but to just, you know, I think that it's quite painful, kind of, uh, for, it's quite painful for Russians to go to war with Ukraine, and that's why Putin was dispatching this very strange, offensive invective, if you will, towards the Ukrainian president saying he's a Nazi, even though he's Jewish, saying he's a drug dealer, because he was trying to 
almost dehumanize him and justify this invasion of a country that is very closely related to Russia. Yeah. Now, I did not think he was going to invade Ukraine, but maybe just as somebody who grew up in the U.S., I'm just a little bit optimistic. Um, you know, some have commented that in the past couple of years, because of COVID, Putin has been isolated from other people, that in general in the last few years he's become much more repressive, he stopped listening to advisors, he's simmering in his own anger, and he's angry at many things. He's angry at how the Cold War ended, he's angry that he feels other countries don't listen to Russia's security concerns, that other countries don't respect Russia, that the U.S. thinks it can rule the world. He certainly hates the United States. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's been simmering in his own anger, and this was the culmination of all that. Um, you know, that very well could be. It's hard to it's hard to get into his mind. He when he made an hour-long speech in Russian as a prelude to a conflict in Ukraine, and he was just off the wall. It was just completely off the wall. I mean, it was it was scary, and he even mentioned he had to mention in the speech. I want to remind everybody that Russia is a nuclear power. He even had to remind people. I of saw that, that yeah. Uh, and that's scary language. You know, that's very scary language. Um, look, two things. I mean, number one, I wish the U.S. would do more. Then you ask me what to do. I'm not sure. Obviously, the U.S. could have sent more weapons. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's for sure. They could have equipped Ukraine better, particularly under Obama and Trump, as far as I understand. I think both of them failed to give Ukraine the military equipment that it needed mm -hmm. and that it now needs. Um, but, you know... To send American soldiers to Ukraine is, you know, that's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. That can escalate very quickly. So it's just hard to know what to do. I mean, you know, if, if Russian and American soldiers start shooting at each other in Ukraine, that's like World War III. Literally right there, yeah. So what do you do? That's really the question. I want to do something. I wish the U.S. would do more, but what to do is much more complicated. Um, I think Biden has done pretty good job corralling allies, pressuring allies or persuading allies like Germany to impose sanctions on Russia. Um, you know, persuading Germany to not go ahead with this pipeline from Russia. Germany is very dependent on Russian natural gas, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think Biden has done a pretty good job. Do you, you think, know, um, do you, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt, do you think that Biden didn't interfere because he didn't want Russia to start World War Three? Because there's been a lot of, because I've been hearing a lot from the right, right? And people have been telling me, like, he's so, he's he's fucking weak. He was like, he didn't stand like. I don't a, think that's the case. I, I'm trying to figure out, like, what you're, yeah, like, what you think. Do you think he was, like, the smarter yeah. move, essentially? Was that, like, a defensive position for the United States of America? So we're not initially Look, dragged into warfare? Or what do you believe? I don't, I don't think that Biden is weak. Remember. Remember. Mm -hmm. Trump in his four years, 
had an inexplicable affinity for Putin, yeah. which to this day is a mystery. And he, he got, he, you know, he was at a press conference with Putin in Helsinki, and he said he trusts Putin over his own intelligence. What? Trump. Well, this this happened. I'm, I'm sure you. No, no, I, no. I, I say I say that as this is news to me because I, I hadn't heard about that. Like, what the hell? Yeah. So Trump was, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how they explain it. Nobody can really explain it. But Trump had an, an, an affinity for Putin that was embarrassing yeah. to, the, to the United States. Um, look, I like Biden, um, and I think he's measured, but he's also quite assertive. I mean, what he's done so far as it relates to sanctions is not chicken shit sanctions. These are serious sanctions. He has sent weapons to Ukraine mm -hmm. that o Obama and Trump did not send. Mm -hmm. um, Biden has done more for Ukraine than Obama and, and Trump. Again, could he do more? Perhaps so. But campaigning is always much easier than governing. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for Republicans to criticize and to forget that Trump was almost subservient to Putin, at least rhetorically. It looked like he was P um, Putin's lapdog. Well, again, Republicans would have a different argument, but certainly mm -hmm. rhetorically, Trump never criticized Putin, and he was very deferential to Putin. And, um, it, you know, some of his statements and some of his, um, some, some things that he attempted to do during his four years in office were very suspect um, to, the, to the point where some people in government thought that Putin was paying him off or Putin has some compromising material on Trump, right? So I think Biden is, is trying to walk a very delicate line because once you escalate a conflict like this, it can get out of control, right? Again, you put a few thousand American soldiers in Ukraine that can escalate very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that, you know, more weapons over time should have been sent to Ukraine. Obviously, they need it. Um, but I, I, I don't know if Biden has been weak. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I think that that's more of a uh, politically motivated uh, criticism. Mm -hmm. Um now, look, it's very sad to say, and because as of this conversation, there's fierce fighting in Kiev. Uh, Ukrainians are defending themselves uh, very valiantly. Um, you know, but Russia has infinite, um, kind of, uh, you know, infinite resources mm -hmm. when it comes to their military ability. So the Ukrainians are going to have a tough time. Um, I hope very much that the Ukrainian president Zelensky survives, mm -hmm. uh, but but that's an open question as of this conversation. Yeah, what happens next in Ukraine? I don't know. Uh, is Putin going to uh, install a puppet regime in Ukraine that's going to be extraordinarily unpopular? I mean, you know, you would need to, uh, you know, set up 
a total North Korean style police state to, to, to maintain something like that. Uh, look, you know, the Soviet Union in the 1980s invaded Afghanistan. That was one that was one of the reasons indirectly the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, it was a it was a foreign policy overreach on the part of the Soviet Union. Uh, I would hope we can see the same here. Uh, where where this is an overreach on the part of Putin. Perhaps this is the beginning of his end. One can hope. Um, or maybe he'll just die, you know, because he's almost 70 years old. Um, so, so it's very sad. The whole thing is very sad. I, I, I don't think that Biden really has been weak. Mm -hmm. I really would would disagree with that uh bearing in mind it's an incredibly delicate and complicated situation so i want to ask you this as well um so i listened to a part of um putin's speech i always have a hard time saying it putin uh anyways um he mentioned something about ukraine being a threat to to russia more specifically because he says that ukraine's um, higher ups essentially are U.S. puppets, right? We they essentially serve, uh, they serve right. us basically. W what did you think of that? Especially with with uh, well, with Biden's son being over there, being and a lot of intelligence being out there. I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Look, I think that Putin is grasping for justification mm -hmm. to invade. Ukraine, neighboring country, yeah. right? I mean, Putin is, um, you know, Russia is a larger country bullying around a smaller country. Mm. The notion that Ukraine is a threat to Russia is absurd, right? It's absurd. Um, Ukraine is not a threat to Russia. As far as Ukrainian officials being American puppets, again, this is a type of Soviet language. This is a type of KGB paranoia okay. that 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 Putin is associated with. Um, you know, it sounds it sounds like Brezhnev talking in the 1970s as the you know leader of the Soviet Union or the general secretary of the Soviet Communist Party, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I I don't think that. Ukrainian leaders are, are uh, American puppets. I do think that um, Ukrainians, as did the Polish, as did the Czech, as did Hungarians, want to uh, release themselves from the Soviet fold, from the Russian fold, mm -hmm. and they want to be a, a prosperous, democratic, Western-looking country. Um, I don't think that makes... Um, Ukrainian leaders, American puppets. I think that that is an accusation Putin uses to justify an unjustifiable invasion, mm -hmm. an, un, un, you know, an unjustifiable war. Um, as far as Biden's son, uh, I'm not so familiar with this. I never cared that much. Um, it's just not something that I, I, you know, it's kind of like conspiratorial um you know i never i never paid a lot of attention to where biden's son was or what he was doing 
Um, I don't think it's particularly important. Um, you know, if you want to go down that route and, and <laughs> look at where everyone's everyone's kids are doing business yeah. and look at uh, all the business dealings of the Trumps and this and that, uh-huh. I'm sure you can go down the rabbit hole. I think, again, that's a it's For just sure. it's not material. It's not particularly important. No, uh, I, I agree. never, never got, never, never went down there. Yeah, I think I think it's suspicious, but I don't think it's important to at the same time. Um, so actually, speaking of Ukraine as well, of course, uh, yes. people are saying that the um, a huge motivation for wanting to invade and take over. It, I could be off slightly, but it was something along along the lines of um, he, he wanted the natural gas pipelines that are over there since they're essentially the biggest in that whole area, even bigger than Russia. Is that correct? You're saying that Putin wanted the natural gas pipeline? Correct, because it's big. It's it's because, it, again, you were saying their economy is quite weak. And obviously that would yes. give them a supplemental boost. And I think that might be like a, I don't know exactly where we're on the scale that would be, I'd say, in the upper ends. But I don't know exactly, you know. Well, I don't purport to be an expert on energy markets. Now, I think that pipelines, some pipelines that Russia has built or is building going to Europe mm-hmm. run through Ukraine. And I think that Russia pays Ukraine what is essentially a toll to um, transport gas to Europe through Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Right? The Russian economy is is very dependent on oil and natural gas exports. Russia is the biggest exporter in the world of natural gas. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to transport natural gas to Europe from Russia is very important. I'm not sure if Putin – look, maybe Putin doesn't care about the Russian economy. Maybe he cares more about a broader geopolitical – reality for russia and his own legacy um making you know kind of uh changing the world order changing the post-cold war world order in a, in a way that's favorable to russia i, believe I think that. that's probably more important to him yeah. but the, for the russian economy um i'm not sure if this is if this if this war effort in ukraine is going to be favorable because um no, it's europeans so, are going to buy less oil it already it already sunk the market 40 percent right. overnight that was which was fucking insane right the russian stock market you mean yeah the russian stock market went 40 percent right. overnight that was like i mean that's mind-blowing right. to me for being in the stock market for a few years i was like holy shit and that that's what that that, that 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 scares me that if the u.s were to be intertwined I don't think it'd be to that extent. Maybe it could be wrong, but we'd probably have a pretty severe decline if we were to be inclined into that right. World War Three in short. Right. Well, um, I think if there's World War Three, we're going to have bigger problems in our, our yeah. We're going to get we're going to get fucking nuked. <laughs> right. So, but 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 remember a couple of notes yeah. about the Russian economy and the stock market is number one. I'm laughing because uh, I'm nervous. Culture. By the way. <laughs> You know, yeah. yeah. Culturally, um, in Russia, you know, it, it, or let me phrase it this way: uh-huh. in the United States, to trade stocks and to invest in the stock market is kind of like an American tradition. Yeah. And Russia, in Russia, it's not. Russia doesn't have a big investor class okay. like the U.S. does. So most people who hold stock in Russia, as far as I know, are it's a small percentage of the population. 
Mm-hmm. So, so most people losing money if the stock market dives in Russia are like rich oligarch types. Most got people. you, got you. Um, you know, I think most middle class people in Russia, the vast majority, do not hold stock. A smaller percentage than in the U.S. Okay. Um, now remember the market cap of of you know the market cap uh, the 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 total capitalization of the stock market in Russia is, is much smaller than the U S right. So, um, you know, perhaps it's more volatile, but, uh, and it's also, it's also, uh, you know, the biggest company in Russia is, uh, Rusneft, right. Which means, uh, basically neft in Russia is oil. So it means Russian oil. Got it. So, you know, that their, their economy is, it's a petro state in a way. I think it's, I think it's simplistic to say Russia is a, is a petro state. Totally, but um, very dependent on energy exports. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think Putin might be betting that China is going to buy stuff from him because China and Russia are allies, and China doesn't really generally care about you know human rights and this type of thing. Sorry to and uh, he might be betting. Sorry to interrupt, but even this morning, um I didn't I, I, I agree with you on everything you're saying, but surprisingly this morning it took me a little off guard that um that even uh China condemned Russia this morning. Uh which took me off guard because I thought they were a lot a little bit more closer, but the fact that they even did that was interesting. Uh and a side note too, um Yesterday, um, there was a bunch of news updates about, um, well, obviously, because everything's been going on, right, with Russia and Ukraine, but a Chinese, a Chinese state official uh, for the media said that it's not out of the realm of the possibility for uh, China to do the same thing to Taiwan during this time, to take advantage of this time. Right. So, like, that's scary, too. And then that would well, for sure get us entangled into that. China is definitely looking. Yeah. You know. And China's paying attention. And China obviously has their designs on Taiwan. And I'm, I'm less familiar with the uh, nature of kind of the China-Taiwan relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, China, Taiwan is not a member of the UN, uh-huh. by the way, right? Because um, it's not, it's not you know, recognized, I guess, by everyone's country or, 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 or China, you know, mainland China is recognized as like, the one China. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but uh, certainly China is looking at how the West responds mm-hmm. to this. Um, and, and, you know, Taiwan is certainly under threat. Um, would the U S actually dispatch soldiers to Taiwan to, dif- to defend Taiwan? I doubt it. I really doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't think so. That's my truly best guess, unfortunately. I think Taiwan is probably worth defending, but again, it's hard for me to imagine. It's hard for me to imagine in a in a in a worst case scenario where China is invading Taiwan, it is very difficult for me to imagine the US dispatching a hundred or two hundred thousand soldiers to Taiwan to fight China. Yeah. I just have trouble imagining that. Um, and certainly if Putin succeeds in invading Ukraine and toppling the government and making Ukraine a vassal state, I'm sure Taiwan, I'm sure China will, will derive some inspiration from that. I'm sure, Mm -hmm. you know, 
um, yeah. I I wanted to ask you. This is uh, kind of mentioning to to a, a a thing that you posted earlier in your story as well. Um, there was this this opinion that Na- that NATO essentially pushed Ukraine and essentially lit the flames of war, um, whether conscious or subconscious. They tilted the glass to spill. Uh, in short, what what do you think about that? Well, I um, I was just trying to understand maybe some, you know, um, Russian point of view. Um, I was trying to understand uh, where some people in Russia are coming from. Okay. Um, as I mentioned, I don't, I you know, I don't think that, I think NATO or fear of NATO isn't, easy and convenient excuse for Putin to launch an invasion that has other motivations. Mm-hmm. But, but certainly Russia has, has not wanted NATO to expand to uh, Eastern Europe mm-hmm. and to nations bordering Russia. Now, NATO is already on, Russia, on Russia's borders, uh, right? Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia are already NATO members. There's ne- they've never gone to war with Russia. NATO is a defensive organization. Uh, NATO has never gone to war with Russia. Um, so, uh, but but you know, Putin claims that Putin claims that Ukraine joining NATO or the prospect of it is a security threat to Russia. Uh, you know, someone wrote an article um, that y- you know. The U.S. should have been more sympathetic to um, Russia's concerns around NATO and that every major power, the U.S. included, is very cognizant of the alignment mm-hmm. of, neighboring, of neighboring countries. Um, and that George W. Bush, in announcing that Ukraine was kind of on track or under consideration uh, to be a NATO member, made a big mistake. And that Ukraine should have announced their neutrality, um, like Finland and Sweden are technically not aligned with either East or West, technically, mm-hmm. um, or they're not aligned with with you know any any treaty organization, you know, like mm-hmm. NATO. Um, I, I'm you know, I I would tend to think that countries uh, should be allowed to. Uh, determine for themselves who they associate with. Um, you know, I don't think Russia should be dictating to Ukraine if it joins NATO or not. But but at the same time, um, yeah, perhaps you know, perhaps uh, it was a mistake to um, kind of for NATO to flirt with Ukraine. But I I'm that's complicated. I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the real reason for Putin's invasion. Um, and certainly, I understand why Ukrainians would want to be part of NATO because, uh, you know, they want to be a Western-looking, um, modern, you know, country. democratic country. And certainly, they fear uh, what what has happened. Right? I mean, they they fear Russian encroachment. That's why Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania wanted to be part of NATO. They are part of NATO. Um, the point there is that those countries are already on the border with Russia and it has not been a security threat with Russia. So I think certainly the threat is very, very exaggerated for 
um, political uh, expediency by Putin. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I I would assume that if they invaded Ukraine, they already expected a part of the world to to sanction Russia, right? What do you think that if the U.S. sanctioned uh, P- Putin personally, do you think that might that might escalate things? And if potentially, what, what do you think that would um, that would lead to? Well, I think the U.S. announced they were going to sanction Putin personally. I don't know if he cares that much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Putin. Putin uh, in his uh, his official salary. His official salary is one hundred forty thousand dollars annually, which is laughable, right? Yeah. Some intelligence, some intelligence says he's the richest guy in the world. Oh. He's okay. certainly he's certainly a billionaire, and many many people in in intelligence think he's actually the richest person in the world oh. because of various business arrangements he might have or kickbacks he might get um, with oligarchs in Russia. Um, so I don't know if sanctioning Putin personally is going to make a difference. You know, Putin is, is certainly all set when it comes to money. I'm sure he has a very diversified portfolio. I'm sure he has gold. I'm sure he has money all over the place. I'm not sure if that's going to make a difference to Putin. That's just my speculation. Um, you know, it's my speculation. I mean, you know, yeah. For the for the people that aren't aware that are listening to, do you mind explaining what sanctions are exactly? Well, sanctions are um, restrictions on doing business with a certain country um, in some in some way or form, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, um, you know, there's been talk about removing. You know, it's it's it, sanctions are a form of punishment. Um, meant to uh, meant to initiate or you know push a country to change a certain policy mm-hmm. or to weaken a certain government you know right uh, sanctions against Iran um, are intended to perhaps weaken the regime and facilitate some sort of regime change in Iran let's say a revolution of some some sort uh, or to or to push the Iranian regime to change its policy um, and it's it's I suppose a softer alternative to uh, what what the US did in Iraq which was to invade Iraq it's a softer alternative to try to extract concessions now do you think um, do you think that's yeah. just um do you think that's just for the looks for the world? Do you, do you think like the, uh, what do you think that is, like aesthetic politics? Or? No, I mean, I, I, it seems like it seems like, look, I mean, I don't know, based on, based on, um, you know, what I've been reading, um, it seems like some of the sanctions announced by Biden, as well as by other countries, mm-hmm. um, will actually uh, have some effect question is are they going to are they going to actually be enough to help ukraine probably not Mm -hmm. sanctions take time to take effect you know the effect of sanctions is usually corrosive it's not like some sort of a shock and awe type of thing it kind of 
eats away at an economy. It might eat away at popular support for the government. Um, it might not be enough to uh, help Ukraine. Um, you know, perhaps the hope is it will be enough over time to extract concessions from Putin or to make Russian people very, very unhappy and they will try to overthrow him, which is, uh, you know, could happen. I mean, you know, Russians are tough people, but mm-hmm. seems a little bit far-fetched. Um, uh, you know, but sanctions take time to have an effect. It's kind of like if, you know, yeah. So it seems like, you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, uh, Russian, the Russian airline, Aeroflot, Aeroflot, is uh, being restricted from, from flying around Europe. Russians have grown accustomed to cheap, easy access to Western Europe, traveling to London, right? Many Russian, rich Russians have property in London. You know, I, I went to Spain not long ago. There was a fair amount of people speaking Russian, mm-hmm. quite a lot, actually. Um, and, and that's something material that Russians will feel, you know, relating to their quality of life. So something like that might have an effect. You know, um, if it does, the effect is probably not immediate. It probably takes quite a long time to 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 uh, have a desired effect, to kind of um, for people to feel the effect of the sanctions. Mm-hmm. And as of recently too, um, ever since you've been posting information online, right? You've been, yep. you've been, I, I guess, almost like a victim of troll farms. Do you mind explaining what's been going on with Not that? Not really. I, I, know. I wouldn't say I'm a victim of anything, uh, uh, but I, I uh, yeah, I'm not that was a victim of anything, though. but I, I have been getting text messages text. from, not, not text messages, I'm okay. sorry, I've been getting DMs. Okay, like, I was like, what? I've been getting, uh, yeah, I've been getting DMs and comments from people who I think are trolls. Mm. Now, they could be volunteers, they could be paid, but all these people almost, they're, they're following a script. It just seems unlikely to me that they're completely acting independent of one another mm-hmm. uh, because they're following a script. And in engaging in an argument or engaging in, uh, you know, trying to defend Russia, they say, <clears throat> they say, well, what about the United States and Iraq? What about the United States and Vietnam? Mm-hmm. They won't address it directly because it's very, very difficult, particularly if somebody has access to independent media. It's very difficult to justify what Putin's doing in Ukraine. And but I've gotten many messages on Instagram um, making this type of what aboutism or this type of you know, uh, pursuing this type of rhetorical deflection uh, where where they're not defending Putin's actions, but they're trying to, they're, they're basically saying, well, the U.S. invaded Iraq, so you can't, you can't criticize us. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, look, uh, the U.S. invasion of Iraq was a big mistake. I'm not sure it's the same as what's happening now. I actually, I don't think it is. 
it certainly it wasn't good and it was a mistake um and uh you know george w bush was was pretty bad president um you know quite bad and the u.s is still paying for his mistakes um you know the reputation of the u.s is still hurt by um the war in iraq i i don't think it's the same you know spiritually ethically morally as russia invading ukraine attempting to install a puppet government um either way one doesn't excuse the other these are two unrelated events yeah two wrongs don't make a right completely uh, I I would say this. I think one is more wrong than the other. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not, and I don't think the word Iraq was a good idea. Most people don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's you know. I think I think the, I think the, the, the I, Russian invasion is more wrong. The only people that think also unrelated. I think the only people that think that I that, that was right is probably like the extreme far right. No. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't even say it's the extreme far right. The people who think it's it was right are really what you might call neoconservatives who were leading foreign policy in the Bush administration. Uh, Certainly George W. Bush uh, has been quite stubborn. Uh, He's obviously not going to say, you know, he, he, he he was a mistake. Um, But, but, you know, most people would say the war in Iraq was a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, To the credit of the United States, they had false, When they got to Iraq, after a while, they admitted Iraq did not have nuclear weapons. Uh, they didn't fake it. Yeah. And if that was Russia, they would probably make something up. Yeah. Um, but the, the point is, you know, these Russian trolls try to establish false equivalencies between unrelated, um, unrelated events. Mm-hmm. Now, look, the U.S. has done bad things over time. Most countries have done some good and some bad. The U.S. has also done many good things. Uh, You know, the U.S. has tried to topple governments, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, You can get into the weeds and defend it or criticize it. You know, but at the end of the day... um, Russia is a repressive police state. If you disagree with Russia's with with the government's policy in Russia, you really cannot express it freely. Yeah. Um, and 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 in any event, their invasion of Ukraine strikes me as particularly um, brutal and uh, just completely unprovoked and unjustified. Um, and certainly, other countries have have made their share of mistakes, but it's it's you know kind of unrelated doesn't one one doesn't you know it's, it's kind of like saying i raped someone or can take, take that out and it's kind of like saying it's kind of like saying um you know jim murdered somebody so robert can do the same it, it you know, yeah. logic doesn't work that way got you yeah, yeah, yeah you know what speaking of like the the clamp on freedom of speech out there I got scared for that one guy that almost indirectly spoke out against uh, putin that shit made me nervous did you see that uh, I did not. Who was that? Uh, I would have to type it out really quick. Let me see. 
spoke out against. Let me see. It was a uh, it was a Russian oligarch. Let me see. I think they were. Uh, I'd have to. Ask, I'm gonna spend a little bit more time researching this. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste too much time. But everyone can. They could just look it up with a simple search, right? But it was. Uh, I think they were testifying um, against like with with Putin's plans, and um, he and then and then Putin was like, "Do you? Um, do are you questioning my authority? Are are you with the plan or with you not?" And then the guy had a backpedal and oh, he was nervous. I see what you mean. I, I know what you're referring to. It's this meeting that Putin had, right? Yeah. Um, Putin was, was, you know, Putin has these meetings where he's like comically far from everyone else. Yeah. Um, and I know what you mean. Uh, there's been talk about Putin being just not taking advice from others, mm-hmm. um, being, being isolated and just being just marinating in his own opinions um and uh that 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 you know certainly certainly could be um there is of course some manifestation of disapproval of putin i think in russia i think mostly on social media um you know there's not a lot of protesting happening in russia that's for sure um and it strikes me that Powerful people, uh, public people who express their disapproval of Putin, they've ended up in jail or dead um, sure. over the course of time. It's like the, the Hillary Clinton death count, they say. <laughs> yeah. You know, Boris Nemtsov was the most prominent opposition figure mm-hmm. in Russia for a long time, and he, he was shot right in front of the Kremlin. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly by whom, yeah. but it was very likely an inside job. More right? than likely, yeah. Uh, that's why, I mean, even people that are, like, on higher ends that have, like, a, like let's say, a public forum, even then, people like that are scared to, like, even criticize uh, even out here, they're like, "Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm right. chilling." If they have like right. a prominent voice, they're like, "I'm good. Not today, son." Right, right. So, yeah, that's a that's a situation. I mean, um, as of this conversation, uh, there's a fierce battle for Ukraine's capital. Um, I'm I'm hoping very much. That Ukrainians can pull off a miracle and fend uh, off the Russian invasion. I'm hoping that the president of Ukraine, who, as we discussed, is just a, a, a true hero, um, I'm hoping he survives. Um, but the odds are against all of that, so so we will see in the coming day or days. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then before I let you go, I'll ask you a question out of uh, pure speculation. Uh, I kind of want to hear what your thoughts kind of like lean towards. Um, what are the odds of uh, World War Three happening, and what are the odds of nuclear war happening? Uh, look, those are questions that yeah, I, I know. I'm not I sure know. I'm so qualified to answer. Um, <laughs> I, I I would have to say I say that because that's on everyone's mind, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would I would have to uh, posit that the chances are are low. Um, 
you know, because I guess you ha- you would have to assume that there's enough rational actors to prevent that from happening. That mm-hmm. being said, again, some have um, wondered if Putin has is, is mentally out to lunch. Some have wondered that. Uh, Putin has become angrier, more aggressive, um, you know, more brilliant. Um, and, and uh, you know, a few years ago, it would have seemed very, I mean, a few months ago, it was, it was kind of out of left field and out of the blue and kind of um, very apocalyptic for Putin to invade Ukraine. And now it's happening. So do I think nuclear war is going to happen? No. But, you know, people who grew up in the 50s and 60s in the U.S. were scared of nuclear Armageddon pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, you know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, which is the closest, perhaps, that the, in the Cold War that the two superpowers to nuclear war, there was Kennedy and there was Khrushchev. And Khrushchev was a rational actor. And Fidel Castro was, uh, he didn't, uh, Fidel Castro was, uh, was, was kind of outlining a scenario to Khrushchev where uh, he thought Khrushchev should send, you know, nuclear missiles over to the United States, fire nuclear missiles, you know, into the U.S. And, and Khrushchev uh, said that Fidel Castro is absolutely crazy and he's trying to bring everyone into the grave with him. So Khrushchev was a rational actor and Kennedy was a rational actor. You know, they weren't just, they weren't trigger happy yeah. as it relates to nuclear war. Um, and, and I would have to assume there's enough rational actors to prevent the worst case scenarios, but, but, you know, what do I know? I mean, who knows? We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, man. No, I really appreciate your insight and, uh, you are loaded with fucking wisdom. If you ever want to come back on, if things escalate, I'll I'll have you back on. (laughs) 